You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Brian Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, as usual, we have a lot to get to because it's training camp time, and that's just what it is. Um, I have not yet seen the football game. It's 6 o'clock. I'm going to try to get this. Obviously going to miss some of it because, you know, I'm not going to get this done in 40 minutes or whatever. But I'd like to catch a little bit of that football game. Um, We finally upgraded our TV for years has basically been a computer monitor. My son has never really known a TV that's bigger outside of occasionally going to like grandma's or something. So going to be able to sit down, watch a game with the boy. Um, and actually, this Saturday, going to get the opportunity to sit down and watch family night with the family, including our new addition, puppy. So that's going to be sweet, even though they're probably going to try to keep the dog away from me. That's that's my only thing, man. Dog watches football with me. That's dad's rule. But anyways, no spoilers. Which doesn't even make sense. I'm I'm acting as though there's like a wormhole here or like a black hole or something where I'm talking to you and you can hear me in the future and then you can yell back from the future and tell me who won the game as though I care who won a stupid preseason game. So that didn't make sense on a lot of different levels, but it felt like the right thing to say. No spoilers. Gee willikers, I tell you what. Anyways, um, a couple things I want to touch on. Number one, I am starting the process, and this is more, I'm making this more painful than it needs to be, but I just, you know, I do one step, and then I go on to something else, and then I do the next step, and next thing you know, it's going to be too late, but I started the process of filling in the teams for fantasy football, and by starting the process, I mean, I made a list, put it on Facebook, and I said, if you donated to the Palmer Home, which, by the way, there's some people um, that are not in the Facebook group. So I'm going to work on figuring out who you are, as well as some anonymous donors, et cetera, et cetera. But if anybody donated to the Palmer Home, they get in. So I made a list on Facebook. I tagged all the people, and I didn't give them any way to actually join it, because if I put a link there, then anybody could join it. So at least they know they're invited. <laughs> That's as far as we've gotten so far. I also set up a CBS Pick'em Pool like we did last time. That's going to be open to absolutely everybody. I'd like to get as many people in there as possible. We did something else, too, last year that was kind of fun, and I don't remember what it was. But I got to be reminded what that was and do that. It's open to everybody, going to be fun. Maybe it's a pick it just wasn't CBS. It was NFL. I think that's what it was. Whatever. We're going to do that again. But those are the things that are going to be coming down the pike pretty soon. Also, um, I want to do some thank yous real quick because that's going to... I I keep typing that thinking that it's going to pop up. But I need to address a couple things. Um, Big, giant, massive thank you to Daniel Marquise. Daniel gave a sizable donation on Patreon. He joined in on there. I mean, he paid up for the year, so those always look uh, a lot bigger. But it was it was it's a big chunk. And uh, he sent me a note and said that he wanted to give to the Palmer Home. So I thought he meant take this money and give it to the Palmer Home. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll I'll you know I'll donate to the Palmer Home. 
I go over there to send the money, and he also donated that exact same amount over there. So, Daniel, you're absolutely in the uh, fantasy football league. That's not even going to be a question. Even if, if I just have a league set up with one guy, it's going to be me and you, man. <laughs> Kidding. You got everybody else is into. I'm just that was a joke. But I did have uh, somebody reach out and ask me kind of how I'm doing with the whole competition being in the top five, uh, so that I can go hang out with Malcolm Reed. I was in the top five. I got bumped out. Um, Mr. Matt Bailey decided to leapfrog me by kind of quite a lot, but. Um, I'm going to put a link for those of you that are interested. It feels weird doing that because I'm not trying to make it about me going to do something fun, even though that's kind of what it is. But some people, I guess, are into that and they want me to win, kind of like I want to win. So um, I'll try to make that link accessible for those that uh, want to be able to see that. But again, if you'd like to make a donation to the Palmer Home for Children, you can do so on Twitter. Uh, it's pinned to the top of my Twitter thing. Um, Packernet Podcast Facebook group. It's uh, one of the pinned posts there. You can find that. Etc. Etc. But I want to do that first so that I can say those couple of things. I think all the thank yous are done. One other thing, at least one other thing that I wanted to touch on very quickly before we get into the news and notes from training camp and all the fun, exciting things that have been going on. And, you know, I, I don't really have that big brother gene, necessarily. My half-Mexican lawyer, Blaine, has it. He does not tolerate people picking on other people, especially if they're friends. It's one of those things where he and I don't see eye to eye on some things, whether it's politics, whatever it is. If somebody on the other side, say on his side, comes at me, he's going to attack that guy because don't be like that. And he's going to get furious. I don't really have that as much. I mean, it depends on the situation, I guess. But I, I remember I had a roommate in college that uh, he would always try to make me pick sides. You know, he'd get into a fight with somebody and I had to choose. It's like, no, I don't. I'm, I'm friends with you. I'm friends with them. You guys got a little thing. You figure it out. A bunch of babies being stupid. But I'm a little bit perturbed. I was just coming down to do the podcast, and I had somebody send me a tweet, um, Taylor, on Twitter. And it's a screenshot. And um, it's Rob Domofsky, who I've talked about a couple times, um, being a complete douchebag. And he is. He's, he's just a bad person. He's entirely self-important. Um, he's extremely sensitive. He's got a big head. And... and for no reason. He's done really nothing of any sort of accomplishment. He just got a job, right? <laughs> he got a high-status job. And so people like that who get these high-status jobs, not necessarily because... See, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to act like this because he's the only person on planet Earth with the exception of like three or four, I'm talking in the world, that can do what he can do. Rob Domofsky, there's... I mean, you can throw a dart at a phone book and find people that can do what Rob Domofsky can do. That's part of the reason that the media is so sensitive, because it really isn't that hard of a job. I mean, I understand as far as the actual writing part, you got to know grammar, right? You got to know where to put the commas and stupid stuff like that. But you got editors that can do that anyways. And you got some guys, um, you know, Tyler Dunn, that do a little bit more long form, which is, I guess, somewhat harder. And then there's investigative, whatever. But to get in front of a camera and say, this is what happened, it's no different than like what I'm doing right now. You know why there's a new podcast that comes up every single five seconds? Because anybody can do a podcast. I have no illusions about that. So people like Rob, a lot of the time, not all of them, but a lot of the time, feel the need to gatekeep, and they get very sensitive, and they get very angry, and that's why they also like to prop up this media thing, right? As though it's some kind of important institution. And really, it's not, especially in 2020. I mean, news can flow very easily. Um, just, I mean, there's 
again, everybody's got a news show, everybody's got a blog, everybody's got video of everything, we've got YouTube, we got, information floats around like crazy. And there's a lot of people that do what Rob does better than Rob does. They, they just don't have the access because ESPN doesn't cut them a check. But if the ESPN did, they would do the job 10 times better and just be better human beings on top of it. I've mentioned before, there's, I don't really know who's who. But the more I'm starting to learn about guys, the more I'm really starting to dislike all of the beat reporters. And I mean just about all of them. It's not all, but every time I get to know or just hear secondhand from people about an interaction they had, it just makes me scratch my head as to why would you act that way? Again, I've kept my DMs open. I've responded to just about everybody. Very rarely block anybody, even people that do nothing but go on Twitter and trash me. I just, you know, occasionally I get to the point where it's like, all right, I just, all right, enough, right? It's just, it's, this is not good for anybody. And people that are following me don't want to follow my Twitter fights for the, for an hour. I'm losing followers. I'm getting upset, whatever. These guys go out of their way to be complete jerks. And, and Rob was the first one that I kind of identified as being a jerk. And I called him out when he decided to go after Jimmy Graham. Essentially, Jimmy Graham has this thing where he just doesn't like to talk to the media, right? Just like Marshawn Lynch, whatever. It's kind of a known thing. He doesn't like to do that. So you would think, although it is part of his job to talk to the media, if I was in that space, maybe I would ask him a question, but if he says he doesn't want to, then whatever. But in general, you would just leave a guy like that alone would be my thought process. Rob Domofsky tried to pin him down and force him to ask questions. And I believe they were not very flattering questions. And Jimmy tried to just get out of that situation. And Rob's comment to Jimmy Graham was, so I guess you'll just be taking the fine then? Complete garbage thing to say. But again, it's that self-important thing. How dare you not talk to me? You have to talk to me. I'm credentialed media. This, by the way, is exactly why when you had what's-his-name over at the Giants, uh, the old uh, Jason Garrett, whatever, he, he asked the media to call him coach. Stupid, right? Stupid that he did that. Look at how vitriolic the media got, though. How dare you talk down to us? They have just as big of an ego as Jason Garrett does. And so the whole thing was just silly. These self-important, big-headed babies are just being a bunch of big old babies. Jason Garrett saying, you have to call me coach. And then just for an hour, seeing these blue check marks flying around, how dare you say I have to call you? How dare you? And I agree, it's stupid that he said that. But dude, calm down. Like, just laugh to yourself and be like, no, I'm not going to call you coach. That's stupid. I might start calling you Jimmy or something just to kind of be a jerk about it. You know, whatever. I don't know. Just because I think it's funny and I do what I want. But to get that angry about stuff. Anyways, he sent me a screenshot I saw a while ago J.J. and Rob got into a little scuffle about this tweet. Um, J.J. said something about um, Joe Fortunato is quietly having a great camp. And Rob, I believe, quote tweeted that and just went off on him. Just absolutely tore into him. For no reason. He didn't decide to have a discussion with J.J. He didn't try to correct him. He just tried to flat out bludgeon him. And I I reached out to J.J. and I was like, I kind of told you this guy was a jerk. Right? I, I just told, I was just like, I told you, told you he's a D bag. And JJ kind of just brushed it off. And he acknowledged, yeah, I kind of like called him out about an article, or whatever. He's mad at me, whatever it is, what it is. He just took it in stride. Well, Fortunato got cut. Not surprisingly, Rob Domofsky screenshotted that and has been waiting and waiting and waiting for Fortunato to get cut 
so that he can attack J.J. Leahy a second time. He wrote, but I thought he was, quote, quietly having a great camp, unquote. Hashtag fraud reporter, hashtag be careful who you follow, hashtag blocked. This is so wildly inappropriate, I don't even know how to put it into words. First of all, I can find screenshots of every single person at training camp saying he's having a great... If Dexter Williams gets cut, every single reporter is a fraud reporter. Because everybody has said he's having a great camp. If Winfrey doesn't make the, the active roster, everybody is a fraud. Lots of comments have been made about players doing a great job and getting cut. So, look, I, I, I acknowledge, and I've even said, J.J. gets a little aggressive sometimes. He's kind of gone in places where I kind of back away, and I'm like, nah, I wouldn't have gone that hard after him. But he's so mad. He's so mad. And, and the comment that J.J. had made was something very, you know, it's not nice, but it's very basic, like, uh, wow, we're in peak off-season mode, right? Because it was, it was an article about... I think like a uh, a battle between long snappers or something. I mean, it's 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 not nice, but it's pretty basic stuff. But Rob Domofsky decided in that moment he was going to destroy him. But again, it's not just that. It's the hashtag fraud reporter, hashtag be careful who you follow. Why? He's gatekeeping. J.J. Leahy is everything that Rob Domofsky hates, and so am I, by the way. And so is somebody like Aaron Nagler, although they've probably embraced him now because he's, you know, what else can you do? But these are the kinds of guys they want to put their their boot on the top of your head and push you under the water. They don't like that you guys listen to me. You shouldn't be coming to me. I'm a fraud. You shouldn't be following JJ's account because he works extremely hard to aggregate all the news that's out there to send you updates so that you're up to date on all the latest and greatest Packers stuff. Works extremely hard to put together podcasts so that you have information to listen to. No, you shouldn't be listening to him. You shouldn't be listening to me. You need to listen to Rob Domofsky when he says that there's a 5% chance Aaron Rodgers comes back. That's who you should be listening to. Because I'm a fraud and Rob knows what he's talking about because ESPN writes him a paycheck. That makes him smart and a credentialed member of the media because he wears a suit, has a microphone, and can talk to players, and I can't. And can threaten players' fines if they don't talk to him. That makes him important and me and JJ pieces of garbage. Pieces of trash to be discarded. And I don't care about any of that. But, but to just come out for his throat like that is crazy to me. The guy quit his job and is working full-time trying to make it. He's working real hard. He, he, he burned the boats, man. I didn't. I'm keeping my job. He's scratching and clawing just to try to make it. And Rob Domofsky is trying to drown him, which has very serious ramifications. If he was successful, which he won't be, because most people realize he's being a jerk, and he's actually, JJ's actually gaining followers and gaining respect and gaining support because of this. But it's the intention of a guy like Rob who wants to take away the hopes and the dreams of people who just want to live out their dreams. People who want to make it, and for some people trying to survive. There are people out there who don't have another job. There are people who write for the Packers, and this is it. There are people that do podcasts, and that's all they got, man. This is their livelihood. You want to get into a spat? Fine. You want to correct the guy? Fine. You want to, if, if somebody comments on your stuff and you want to go after him? Fine. This is ridiculous. This is immature. This is childish. And, and, and at the same time, you're trying to prove to everybody that you're something big and bad and special because you're a member of the credentialed media, which means nothing. You get a piece of paper you get to wear around your neck and the Packers allow you to be around them. 
I mean, it's, it's not a reflection of you as a human being in any capacity whatsoever. That can be taken from you and given to somebody else, and you're still the same guy. You don't gain or lose any value as a human being. But at the same time that you're trying to prove that there's something special about you because you're a credentialed member of the media, you're proving to everybody that you're, you're useless. And I've said this before, go, go online and listen to ESPN. Go online and listen to NFL Network. Listen to these things. It's a big part of the reason I do what I do because I listen to them and I say I'm better than they are. Not because I'm necessarily great at what I do. I sit here and tell you I'm an idiot like seven times. I can't read good. <laughs> I just try and I care. That's it. That's all it is. Same with JJ. He just loves the Packers, and that's why he does this all day long. He works harder than I do. I put hours and hours and hours and hours into this every single day. I'm not ashamed to say I'm better at this than they are, and I don't like the elitism. I just don't like it. I'm glad you make a lot more money than I do doing this. You get a lot more prestige. You got a lot more followers. You get a ton of blue check marks. You get to talk to players, which is cool, even though I don't think they like you very much. You get to talk to coaches, which is great, but this is unnecessary. And it's largely an ecosystem where people support people. I've never tried to drown another podcast. I've done nothing but support other podcasts. Some more than others, depending on how much I know or like or appreciate the other people. There's some podcasts that I don't think are very good, so I generally will not promote it unless they ask me to. And some people, it's just, you know, I don't know, just because. Because I know how much goes into it. I see people are like, hey, I'm launching a new show. I know how hard that is. I know how much commitment went into it. I know how much those logos cost and how much planning and everything went into it. I also know how unlikely it is to succeed. So I want to give you a little bit of a boost for whatever that's worth, the extra five people that are going to listen because I retweeted. Because why not? You never had a dream, Rob? You never had a passion in your life? I like to think I'm a pretty cutthroat guy, but I'm not Rob Domofsky. Don't get me wrong. I'll step on JJ's face if it means another thousand listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'll try to pull him up when I get up there, you know. I mean, literally and figuratively. I'll st- literally step on his face. Thousand downloads is no bit is no joke, man. That's a lot. But I want JJ to succeed. And I want Game On Wisconsin to succeed. And I want Pack a Day to succeed. And I want Lockdown to succeed, which it already is. It doesn't need my help. Lockdown is flying. I want Packers Without Borders to succeed, and I love that there are, you can just see like certain people that are always retweeting their stuff and commenting about their stuff. They've got like the groupies, you know, that's such a cool thing. People just tune in, they love it, and I'm happy to go on their show, even though I don't think I was a very good guest because I was in a van and people were talking to me and I was trying to help the kids get loaded in the car while, while I was doing it, but I gave it my best, and it, it gets me excited to see Matt Ramage doing the kind of stuff he's doing and, and the hype that he's getting. And I think we were all extremely excited to find out Tom Grassi got to quit his job. Because at the end of the day, that's what a lot of us want to do. Matt Ramage, every time I talk to him, he's like, that's, that's what I, I can just feel it. He wants it so bad. And so do I. And JJ already has, but I, I know he wants to be successful. Basarski, guy is just over on the side grinding on YouTube like crazy. And he's blowing up, by the way, which is awesome to see. He's up over 20,000. That one hurts a little bit because I'm, I'm, I've been so procrastinating. That's not how you say that, but I've procrastinated so much in getting my YouTube going, and I'm seeing all these guys blow, you know, 10,000, blow past 20,000. It's like, man, I really have been, I'm messing up here, but he's over 20,000 now. Just killing it. Super talented, super hardworking, and it's going to pay off, and that makes me happy for him. John Meerdink over at Blue 58, That you talk about a guy that just puts his head down and works. Guy's been around forever. Doesn't beg for money like me doesn't cram it full of advertisements like I do. He just works every day, brings great content every day, great insights every day. 
4.9 rating on iTunes. I thought I was the only one. I'm actually 4.8 right now. Oh, you bunch of jerks. <laughs> How dare you? And there's a bunch of guys that have been doing... I mean, some of these podcasts have been around since before I started, and they're still going. UK Packers. Right? I remember watching a video of their, like a documentary of what they do before I even started my podcast. It was, it was crazy. I remember watching them thinking like, man, they're already like way up there. I don't even have a podcast yet. But I mean, you know, Acme Packing Company, Packers Fan Podcast, Packers Talk, which has got a bunch of different stuff on it, including uh, No Huddle with Gil and JJ, Titletown Sound. I remember, again, before I started my podcast, listening to Titletown Sound. Lombardi Legends, which is a podcast I found out about like two days ago, and all they do is interview Packers players. I don't even think I've subscribed to them yet, but I need to. I don't know how they're doing it, but TJ Slayton, Chandon Sullivan, Innis Gaines, Patrick Taylor, these are their most recent episodes. <laughs> Unknown Packers podcast. Bryce Christensen, super good dude. I think Ken Ingles is on there now. Fantastic podcast. Super good people. It's fortunate enough to be a guest on their podcast once. Pack to the Future, Pack's What She Said. On and on and on, right? It's in one of those loops where I'm like, I'm going to leave somebody out and I'm going to get hate mail. But, I mean, you know them. They're just people trying to do stuff, just having fun. And JJ's trying to kind of work the, the breaking news angle, and he works hard at it. It's just unnecessary, you know? There's two kinds of people at the top, people that help pull you up and people that try to push you down. That's it. That's, there's, I guess the third category is just indifferent, so I, I, we'll, we'll do the three categories. And I don't really care which, I, I, I have to add it because that would probably be me. I'm not paying attention. But, you know, I mean, if you ask, like, hey, I'm slipping, can you... Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. The only real requirement, I would say, is that while you're up there, you're not allowed to push people down. I'm not saying you can't kick a guy in the ribs if he's kind of a jerk. Again, maybe JJ deserved a little jab in the eye. This is a little far for me, especially when you're in the capacity of basically your job. You're still representing ESPN, and here he is. Anyways, I didn't mean to take up the whole first segment on that, but I just, you know... I don't know, man. I just, I don't get it. There have only been a handful of people I've gone that hard at, and every single one of them is just a matter of people just being, like Rob, unnecessarily rude. Anyways, uh, we'll take a break and we'll rip through what actually happened today. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Packernet Podcast. So might as well talk about it because it just came across the wire here. Um, again, it's going to be a huge deal, and it doesn't need to be because it's really not new information. But again, it's being blasted all over the Twitters and whatnot, and uh, it's coming across my phone and all that, so we might as well talk about it. Fox's Jay Glazer reports the Packers have agreed to trade Aaron Rodgers if he still wants out of Green Bay following 2021. See how they worded as brilliantly worded, I will say that. I know, uh, who was it? I think, uh, who was that? Somebody mentioned that they were, I think, offered the job to write these articles like this. Whoever it is that's doing it is uh, doing a great job. Continuing on, much was made of the fact that Rodgers' reworked deal did not include an official out clause for 2022, but it appears the sides have a handshake agreement. If Rodgers still wants a trade, GM Brian Gutekunst will back down and grant it. There isn't is an eternity between now and next offseason, of course, but it would seem Rodgers and the front office are getting more on the same page after a year plus animosity. Again, I'll just say there's no real new news here, right? This is just, I don't think Jay Glazer is coming at this with new information. Maybe he has some little bit more concrete information that he found out. I don't know. But this has kind of been my understanding since he came back. This is what Rodgers has kind of laid out. This is kind of a duh thing. But just be prepared because you're going to be seeing a lot of this and there's going to be a lot of Bears and Vikings fans. And I don't know if Lions fans even exist anymore. I don't know where they've been. They're hibernating or something. I don't I don't know what's going on. I guess I never really see too many. You see them in season when the Lions uh, lose to the Packers in the last minute because of a penalty. That's That's when you see the Lions pop up. Anyways, let's rip through because it's four minutes to seven. I'm going to end up missing a lot of this. Preseason. Actually, I can pull it up on my computer because I got YouTube TV and I can do whatever I want, including singing on my podcast. Burn. All right, so we're going to do rapid fire here. I want to go through the press conference stuff. We got LaFleur, we got Lucas Patrick, we got Jordan Love, we got Kurt Benkert, we got John Runyon. Um, then we're going to go through training camp notes as quickly as is humanly possible. I'll probably skip a bunch of those. And for the second day in a row, we're not going to be able to touch on other teams' camps. Um, I mean, we'll we'll get there, but for the most part, there's a couple guys that are standing out, and um, you know, whatever. And at the end of the day, it's not going to matter because they're probably going to suck in the regular season. Like Jalen Darden, like I like Jalen Darden. He was a great football player. It was one of those guys where you could see him possibly breaking out. He's having a great camp, but it's very possible that once the season starts, he's just going to fade into the sunset. You know, we'll see. I don't know. There you go. There's your one tip of the day, Jalen Darden. Big big name right now. Packers coach Matt LaFleur says tight end Josiah DeGuara, who is recently off pup, will be limited to individual work today. Quote, we're going to slow, slowly integrate him back into the flow of things. Fantastic news that was verified. Uh, Josiah DeGuara is back. They're slowly easing him back in, but I do think come week one, we're going to be seeing a little bit of Josiah DeGuara. I'm a little bit excited about that. Matt LaFleur says he has a feel for what Jordan Love can do, but it's different when quarterbacks get live snaps, which he has not seen. He says a big gap between Love and Aaron Rodgers is their autonomy at the line of scrimmage. Love's duties at the line are simplified. Indecisive equals ineffective. The one thing I thought was kind of interesting about this is I've had several people reach out with trade scenarios about Jordan Love. And 
for me, it all just comes down to what is the Packers' assessment of Jordan Love? Have they given up on him? I'm assuming that's not the case, but I, I, I think maybe I assume they know more than they do. Um, and I do think they probably have a, a, a better idea than we do, right? Either they're watching him going, this sucks, he should be better than this, or he's making pretty good strides. But we don't know. But he kind of lays it out too, where he's like, you know, there's a big difference between seeing a guy throw with basically no pads and guys that are open and no pressure and all that stuff, and actually seeing what this guy can do under pressure. And that's really going to give us a better idea. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. And I think he's being honest about that. I think there's a there's a bigger than 50% of the evaluation is still just a giant question mark, and they're going to have to figure that out. Goes on to say, I think the right guard position, manned by Lucas Patrick, pretty darn well last season, is open. Lafleur went with a with the canned every position is open line. So that was obviously commentary. But again, it's one of those things where there's, a, we'll say half truth, maybe it's 70% truth, whatever. I think that there's an element of, there is a lot of open competition and there is still a lot of evaluation between Matt LaFleur and um, all the offensive line people and the offensive coordinator trying to decide what the best combination is and then factoring in Bakhtiari and how to rotate all this stuff. And there's a lot to factor in here. But there's clearly some positions that are locked in and some that are not. And the Packers know that. And they're they're probably, Lafleur is just seeing this as the easiest way to just get out of this with, with being at least 74% truthful is to say that eh, everything's open right now. Finally, LaFleur on Jordan Love's scrambling, quote, certainly we don't ever want to pass up an open receiver to go off schedule. I think he has the athleticism to manipulate and move in the pocket. Ultimately, it's such a feel thing. You always want the quarterback to keep his eyes downfield. That is a good, that's that's sort of a good Coach Hahn question. By the way, Coach, if you're listening, I do need to set something up with you. It's one of those things where it pops into my head. I'm like, oh, I got to message him, and then I forget, and then it's the next day. Um, but that is a good coaching question. How do you, like, for example, a guy like Lamar, especially, where a big part of his game is just grabbing the ball and running. How do you strike a balance between I need you to plant your feet and keep your eyes downfield because some of these guys are getting open and you're missing it. We've heard Jordan Love uh, a couple times just not seeing guys, right, which is something that just comes with time. Again, Aaron Rodgers sees everybody because he knows exactly where everybody needs to be at every single moment. He also understands the defense, so he his brain is basically a computer that says, if the defense is doing this and the offense is doing this, then this guy will be open in exactly 2.8 seconds. Not exactly that precise, but that's that's sort of how it works. And with Jordan Love, things just aren't working at that speed yet. Anyways, moving on to Mr. Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick, all about the competition for right guard. Uh, quote, I love competition. To speak as frankly as I can, I think the NFL is awesome because you have a healthy fear for your job. That mindset certainly fits his bulldog personality. I love everything Lucas... I never, I was indifferent to Lucas Patrick because I didn't know anything about him until he did this interview. Every answer he gave is like, dude, that's a great answer. That's such an, that's like an entrepreneurial answer, you know? Like real good business owners know the benefit of, of competition. It's the guys nipping at your heels that make you want to grind harder. That's how a lot of big businesses go out of business because they're just like, I'm on top, I don't have to do anything. It's like, no, that's not true. Little guys are grinding. Little guys don't sleep. You're sleeping. Lucas Patrick on Packers Jordan Love. Quote, he seems so calm this year, picking up on everything. Kind of generic, but I figured I'd say it. Lucas Patrick still living the dream. He says it's uh, still cool to call himself a Green Bay Packer. Wasn't long ago he was doing real-world jobs, uh, real-world job interviews. Quote, I still remember that feeling of, wait, I actually have to go do something I don't want to do. Oh, it's starting. I got to start the show. Uh, But yeah, that's that's, um, 
again, it's a, it's a very healthy perspective because, yeah, the vast majority of the world has to go do something they don't want to do, like me and everybody else probably listening, or most of you. And I would absolutely love to get a taste of that. But again, probably won't. Until retirement, then it's like, I do whatever I want, I don't care. I kind of, as much as it would be nice to bug out of my job early, it would, it's, I kind of respect the guys that are at work but don't need work, you know? They're just like, yeah, I'll do that. But um, I'm going to do it assuming you're not going to give me attitude about it. Because <laughs> like, the, the speed at which I get things done is entirely dependent on how you treat me. And that's how I roll, because at any moment, I can walk out that front door, and I never have to come back, and I don't care. I like working with those guys. And when you work uh, with mostly uh, veterans, retired from the military, who have checks coming in, you you meet a lot of those guys. (laughs) I dig it, man. I dig it. Finally, Lucas Patrick hits Family Night Significance dead on the money. Quote, I can tell you how many stories I've heard from people who can't make it to games, but can make it to family night. That's their time to watch us in Lambo. I feel a sense of ownership to put on a show for them. I think I might have read that wrong. I'm not sure. But obviously what he said is there are some people who just can't make it to games, but the one thing they can do is come to family night. That was us, by the way. Uh, the one time I took my family to a game, it was family night. Terrible experience, but not because of the Packers. It was bringing little kids and it's late at night and that whole thing. But again, he is, he's just a, a man of the people. By the way, it just dawned on me, some of these tweets are probably going to be Rob Domofsky, so if, if you or anybody wants to throw that in my face, I don't care. I, you know, I'm just grabbing and, and cutting and pasting stuff. I don't have a problem using him. That doesn't bother me at all. If he wants to block me, he can block me. I could care less. Again, there's 19 people doing exactly what he's doing. Some of them are not credentialed media. I don't need Rob Domofsky. Nobody does. That's the thing. That's the whole point. Moving on to Jordan Love. Jordan Love, quote, we were feeding Reggie Begleton out there today for sure. That was uh, one of the notes we'll get to. Packer Jordan Love said he found out in the airport on the way back to Green Bay that Aaron Rodgers was coming back. Love, quote, very great to have Aaron back. Just on the team, he's a huge present. Present? (laughs) He's a huge present. I just got a visual of Aaron Rodgers showing up in a bow. He's a huge presence, and as a leader on this team, it's great to have him back. Love said he had to convince himself, this one's a little bit painful, he had to convince himself he was going to be the starter all offseason because there was that possibility. He said he didn't ask Rodgers about his situation when they talked, quote, I had to get myself ready for the season, he said. No reason I say that's painful. Obviously, that's just a healthy way to go about things, but there ha- it's going to be hard to disconnect doing it from a strictly logical standpoint and doing it from an emotional standpoint, right? Completely disconnecting that and saying, logically, I understand that I have to do this work, but emotionally, I'm disconnected because it's probably not going to happen. I have a feeling those were pretty intertwined, and when Rodgers came back, as happy as he is to have Rodgers back, there had to have been a little bit of a crushing thing there. All right, I got to get the YouTube TVs going here. See what we got going on. Yeah. All right. I don't think you can hear that, but that's kind of cool, man. I got the, the football game up. I'm going to turn that down a little bit. Got the football game up, doing the podcast. I can get used to this, man. I could absolutely get you. This is, this is the benefit doing the old nighttime podcasts. Not bad. Who takes a knee in the preseason? Aren't you trying to win a job? Anyways, other interesting little nugget here. I need a little loud. Um, interesting little nugget here. Jordan Love hasn't played a football game since the Senior Bowl in January of 2020. The Senior Bowl was January 25th, 2020. Packers' first preseason game is August 14th, 2021. So a span of 567 days or almost 19 months has passed since the last time he played a football game. Mason Rudolph, good old dent head. Does that mean? I'm sorry. 
And it wasn't a terrible last game, by the way. Kent State, um, 39 attempts, 317 yards, 8.1 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, one pick. Again, the interceptions were really high that last year. He went four games in a row with interceptions, five interceptions in that span. But um, he ended on a high note, 115 passer rating. So that's a good thing because there's a lot made about Jordan Love and how he had a bad year. But really, it was kind of just a really, like his real rough stretch, if you just look at the grades, it was really just weeks five, six, and eight, which is, I mean, they're next to each other. Week seven must have been his bye. Week one wasn't great either. But week two, 92 overall grade. Week four, 75 overall grade. I'm not skipping weeks. I don't know why. He must have been injured or something. I don't know what happened. I should know, but I guess I don't. I've never noticed that before. But he ended the season, starting in week 10, 73, 88, 67, 60, 70, and 76. That's not bad. I mean, he didn't have a single bad game. And if you could even go back to week nine, 63 overall grade. Again, the only below 60 grades were weeks one, five, six, and eight. Obviously, everybody remembers LSU. Not a great game, um, largely because it's flipping LSU. Uh, Jordan Love goes on to say he's got a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers. The MVP coaches him up on details, and Love has learned a lot by watching Rodgers' footwork. It's kind of like a master and a Padawan kind of thing, Love said, just trying to learn as much as I can. Um, Whatever, I don't really, whatever. Jordan Love said that he and Reggie Begleton were not on the same page when he threw the interception. So again, we haven't gone to the uh, details of camp yet, but he did throw a pick. It was on the two-minute drill, so there's a lot of interceptions in those because fourth down comes around, you have to make a play believe it was fourth down. I don't know. But um, it's a good insight here because it, it kind of comes down to not that it was necessarily a bad throw. It was either a bad read by... Oh, there's a fumbled... Oh, you dummy. You bunch of dummies. Good old preseason. Botched handoff. Looks like that guy didn't know he was getting the ball. Um, but it was either a, a bad uh, miscommunication by him or by Begleton. I don't know. But it, it was a great day for Jordan Love, and that was like his one blemish and maybe it wasn't a blemish so i'm holding out hope on that one um as far as the kurt benkert uh news kurt benkert on the packers quarterback room quote it's the most fun room i've been a part of said it's been very collaborative with rogers and love always good to hear that right because again we always have we're always a little more critical on our own team than other teams and again one of the benefits of looking at other teams is you get to realize the dysfunction and how bad things can be on other teams you look at the comments by players and coaches and things like that, and it's like, this is just it's just a different environment. And to see that it's also a fun environment, it's kind of cool. Uh, his first meeting with Rodgers is in the bathroom. I didn't find it that interesting of a story, but it's a little bit funny. Basically, that's just that's where he met the guy, and he's like, hey, what's up, man? I, I got I to gotta kind of go to the bathroom. He also went on to say, and I thought this was interesting, because again, it gives you an insight into how things go. Daughter barged in to tell me my friend is here and football's on. I don't have any friends that live in this town, so I don't know. <laughs> Don't know who just showed up in my house, but apparently I'm assuming he's friendly. I should probably go check on that, but I got I got stuff to do. I don't I have like three friends, and I'm pretty sure they're not here right now. Um, but anyways, this is how he got cut by Atlanta. He says he got a call from the Falcons GM Terry Fontenot in February. Bankert was really excited, and he's like, "Hey man, really nice to see you." Fontenot replied, "Yeah, this isn't that type of call." Again, it's just it's kind of cold. And it's interesting because, again, and this is not just Packers fans' perception, but this is what you're hearing from the media as well as being an absolute certainty, and it's the fact that the Packers are uniquely cold, right? Everybody else is just sunshine and rainbows, right? They got coloring books in their office, and they have hug sessions, and the Packers are just this really cold organization. This is the Falcons. 
this isn't like the Steelers or the Patriots or some other like, you know, old school throwback. It's the Falcons, dude. He called a guy and he's like, it's nice to meet you. And he doesn't even say, you know, something polite. He's just like, yeah, it ain't like that, dude. You ain't gonna like what I got to say. It doesn't sound like the kind of phone call that lasted very long. Just some, just throwing it out there. Uh, Kurt Banker went on to say that the hardest part about learning Matt LaFleur's playbook is the hardest, the hardest part here is formations. There's a heck of a lot of formations. I find that pretty interesting. You don't really think about that, right? You think about like post-snap, like where do I have to go? The Packers really do have a lot of formations and it's kind of cool and you see them line up a bunch of different ways and I'm hearing a bunch of different stuff. One of the notes that we're going to get to is the fact that we've already seen Amari in the backfield with A.J. Dillon. That's kind of cool. But they, they do a lot of stuff, and it's not just the formations, but then there's the pre-step, pre-snap motion, which there's a ton of, and that's based, I mean, before the ball is snapped, the amount of things that you have to know and have to do is a lot with the Green Bay Packers, and that's kind of cool, because the Packers want to beat you before we even snap the ball, right? Old school Mike McCarthy was, and it's not to say, again, obviously there's a whole lot of, of things you need to read, and there's a little bit of motion and whatnot before the snap or whatever. But it was mostly, we line up, and this is the play we're running, and we're just going to be better than you. And again, that kind of static stuff just doesn't work very well in the NFL. The Packers understand that, and they take it to another level. Um, He said he emulated Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford in college, so it's obviously very cool that he gets to play with Aaron Rodgers in person. Um, Kirk Bankert says he knew the situation when he signed with the Packers. Quote, it's catch up with uh, Jordan and trying to keep him ready. So lack of reps, not a surprise to him. He says it's also not an excuse not to be ready if needed. So he understands that he's the number three and the priority outside of making sure Aaron Rodgers is ready is playing catch up with Jordan Love, who missed a year last year, and and getting this guy ready because we may very well be moving on with Jordan Love in the near future. For how long, I don't know, but it may be a thing. There's a sack. Kurt Banker, not what he noticed from Jordan Love watching him in the spring as, a, as QB1, quote, he's so steady Eddie through anything. He's always the same person. I think that's admirable for the guys who want to be the starter. Kurt Bankard asked if it's necessary for quarterbacks to have an outgoing personality. I found this answer interesting. Quote, if you can put up results, you can be a stonewall up there. That will be the rub with Jordan Love, who was quiet by nature and says he's still developing as a leader. Now, I don't think leadership is necessarily an issue from what we've heard in terms of his ability to command a room. It sounds like he's got that. That seemed like a block in the back. That was nearly a pick. That should have been offensive pass interference. I think I was wrong on both those accounts. But anyways... I do think it could, I don't know, I don't want to create unnecessarily unnecessary problems, but he doesn't seem like the warm kind of guy that's going to like win over the room. And, and Aaron is kind of the same way, but I think that's what Kurt is talking about. If you can put up the numbers, people will get behind you. I think Jordan's going to have to work extra hard to, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't know. I do find it interesting, though, that he brought it up. It sounds like it's a thing, right? He's just one of those guys that kind of keeps to himself, and he's over there, and we're having like this party, and he's like, no, I got to study. You know, he's like that guy which is great because I want my quarterback to be a, a bookworm, but just, just, I don't know, just something, just, 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 it's just something, no big deal. Uh, John Runyon, finally, before we get on to the other interesting notes about training camp, John Runyon said the transition from tackle to guard last year was different, but having to play in an open, in the opener, and then more in week two, he started to feel like a true guard. He hasn't taken any tackle snaps since he's been in Green Bay. John Runyon was a tackle. John Runyon says he's only repping at guard center, hasn't been at tackle since Michigan, still think he can do all five. Quote, if you look at a guy like Elton Jenkins, he can play all five positions along the offensive line. I feel like that's something I can do, but that's not what we need right now. 
I think that's probably true, but just to a much lesser degree. He could probably play tackle poorly. He can probably play guard decently. That's, I mean, but then again, my assessment of Elton Jenkins playing guard was similar and probably wrong. So I'll just keep my opinions to myself, I guess. Uh, I think I'm going to cut it there because the other two little tidbits are not interesting and we're kind of running out of time here. Uh, going through the injuries, uh, DeGuara obviously back. Three Packers players not participating in today's practice. Kamal Martin, Chris Blair, and Randy Ramsey. A couple of just general team notes. Uh, Randall Cobb got a huge standing ovation from the Packer fans here, which is interesting because it's not his first day back, but it's still good that people are still jacked to have him back. Um, practice uh, today, yesterday, whatever, was two hours and one minute. Some general offensive notes that didn't really fit perfectly in a position group. Uh, I've got these sort of breakdowns of how the two-minute drills and things like that went. So second-team offense says went nowhere in their first possession. Second time around, uh, love to Amari on a hitch, which moves the chain, so first down on that pass. Roll out right to a wide-open Jay Sternberger. Got another first down. Jace, by the way, had a heck of a day. Bad snap, forces third and long. L- uh, Love late throw to Begleton. Too much air picked off by Uphoff. Now, again, Jordan Love said, I threw it to where I expected him to be, and that's not where he was. Don't know. But it sounds like things were going real well. Again, uh, throw to Amari, gets a first down. Throws to a wide-open Sternberger. So we're, we're uh, scheming Jace open, throwing some dimes. And then it was a bad snap. And anytime you're in third and long, I mean, stuff doesn't go well. Plus, again, it's two minutes. So you, they're not kicking field goals. Normally, you would kick a field goal there, but you can't because it's not how this works. Uh, next note said the first team offense finding good success over the middle. So they were kind of picking apart the middle. Uh, first team in two minutes. Rodgers to Tunyon over the middle to move the chains. Short completion to A.J. Dillon. Another quick one to Cobb, which gets a first down. Followed by two incompletions, a false start, 10-yard check down to Jones, fourth and five. Jair picked off on the Hail Mary. So obviously they were pretty far away. Again, you got to make a play. They decided to take a shot for the end zone. Jair comes down with the pick. Uh, Second team, again in two minutes. Love a couple completions to Begleton on the sideline for about 15 yards. Late throw over the middle, nearly picked by Campbell. And then in summary, in five cracks in the two-minute drill, Aaron Rodgers was one for two, one touchdown, um, and then the interception on the Hail Mary. Jordan Love was 0 for three. Two turnover on downs and an interception. Got a bunch of notes here. Um, some of these are not as interesting. It's just here's a play that happened. But starting off with quarterback, Love squeezes one into Amari. And again, I just want to give you a taste of how things went because I think I think Love had a good day. So just showing you these notes kind of gives you an idea of, of what happened. Love squeezes one into Amari against SJC in coverage. That's Shamar Jean Charles. Somebody apparently wrote a nasty gram saying it's Shamar John Charles. But when I watched him in college, all the announcers said Gene Charles. So I was like, all right, I guess it's Gene Charles. So I'm going to call him that until I get official word. I want to hear from him personally. Love low to Winfrey, who had Alexander on him. So that's not a great pass. Love with a bullet over the middle to Begleton. Few nice throws from Love and team. Popped a laser to Begleton a little while in the middle of the field and now hits Funches on an out route. Love is dealing. Three great completions in a row, including an absolutely perfect throw to Funchess on the right sideline, whereas only his receiver could get it. Rodgers escapes the pocket to his right. Two options available underneath. Instead, throws a 50-yard dime to Lazard for a touchdown, as one does. Ooh, what a toss by Love to Begleton along the sidelines. Fits in between a few defenders. Love with a very ill-advised throw in the end zone that's easily picked off by Uphoff. That, again, is that two-minute drill that we already talked about. Rodgers finds Jones easily over the middle for a touchdown in the red zone. Love to Amari. Easy money touchdown with Shamar Jean Charles in coverage. 
Love completes another pass to Begleton in the developmental period, ended with Innes Gaines getting an interception off a Benkert deep ball on fourth and two. So Benkert, that's his only note, I think, of the entire training camp that I've had on him, and it was a pick, unfortunately. Obviously, he had a couple other passes because it was fourth and two, but there you go. It could have been. I don't know. Wide receiver, again, tons of notes, but just to give you an idea of how everybody did, Winfrey is the man of the day at wide receiver. So Love had a great day. Winfrey now had a great day. Here's a couple notes of Winfrey and some of the others. Winfrey beats Jair off the line, but the throw is low and incomplete. Beating Jair is a heck of a note. AR with a back shoulder to Equinemius, incomplete. EQ turned a little late. Cobb with a veteran route against Sullivan for the win. Bagleton beats Savage easily despite Savage's hold. Rodgers beats SJC easy from the slot. That always confuses me because I'm like, why are you saying Aaron Rodgers beat him? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's Amari Rodgers. MVS beats Jair deep for a touchdown. Funchess nice inside route on Chandon. Defense loses Lazard, who sent in motion pre-snap. Easy pitch and catch for big gain up the sideline. Toss on a misdirection to uh, Rodgers for a nice gain. Love finds who else but Juwan Winfrey for a nice completion. Laser over the middle from Love to Begleton and team. Tough catch in traffic. Haven't heard much from Begleton this camp, but he has come alive today. Begleton also, by the way, completely blew up. I think Winfrey's still the man, largely because of he's been doing this every single day. But... Um, yeah, Begleton had a good day. Strong hands by MVS on a comeback route. Stokes hits him as the ball gets there, but he still holds on. Loves finds Funches for a decent pick. Another comeback from Love to Begleton to end team period. Good day for Reggie. Aaron Rodgers touchdown to Alan Lazar. The duo looking good in camp. So a lot of wide receivers kind of shining there. Obviously, Begleton and um, Winfrey are on top of that. Just a handful of running back notes. A nice outside run from Dexter, who continues his strong camp. Nice cut by Patrick Taylor, who then shows off a little power colliding with a DB. So excited to see Taylor get a chance in preseason. Dylan and Amari in the backfield. And Dylan has Campbell beat up the right sideline, but Rodgers throws it just out of his reach. Nice route from Dylan. I also kind of like those notes, too, because when we see Jordan Love miss a pass, we're like, oh, come on, man, this guy's not that good. But when Aaron Rodgers does it, we don't care. Like, it's like, ah, come on, man. But we know Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback. Everybody understands that. That's not even debatable. So we need to have that same understanding with Jordan Love that sometimes you throw passes that aren't perfect. It happens. Tight end, again, Jace is the man, but we'll go through these notes here. Sternberger makes it easy work of Black. Sternberger, sick one-handed grab in one-on-ones against Henry Black. Sternberger did it again, one-handed snag, snag, one-handed snag against Black. Sternberger is owning this drill today. That's a one-on-ones. Nice job by Isaac Nauta in pass protection. Picked up tip up one-on-one. Jay Sternberger getting some work with the ones. Haven't seen much of that so far in camp. Well, when you're lighting it up like that, they're like, all right, you go out there with Rodgers for a little bit. Let's see what you can do. Tunyon wide open over the middle. Another nice play by Sternberger who gets a dump off in space. Play design created that space for him. Tunyon splits the zone and sits down perfectly between Amos and Barnes. First down. Two minutes starts with Rodgers hitting Tunyon in a quick hitter over the middle. Seen that a bunch in camp. If Rodgers sees 85 uncovered at the line, just take the easy five yards on a quick pop pass. So Tunyon's still doing a good job. Um, I do want to touch on the Sternberger thing for a little bit. I've obviously been pessimistic about him like everybody else. Well, I'll say that I liked him a lot in college, um, but he's given me nothing to get excited about since then. But I will say this. One thing that I've also pointed out several times, if you've been listening for a while, you've heard me say it a bunch of times, Jay Sternberger has done almost exactly, like stat for stat, exactly what Robert Tunyon did in his first two years. I mean, it lines up identical, and then Robert Tunyon broke out in year three. 
it's not impossible that Sternberger continues to follow that path and has a breakout season this year, and he's built for it. I mean, he's meant to be that guy. He's He was supposed to be that Jimmy Graham kind of replacement. He's the guy that you're going to be seeing kind of sneaking out and doing these things, and you know, there were several times when he was open and Rodgers just missed him. Maybe he was running the routes too flat, et cetera, et cetera. I don't really know. But the point is, I think we've seen a little bit of flashes. And I think because of his inexperience and bad decisions and not quite doing things right, he didn't get a lot of opportunities. I'm not predicting a breakout like some people are. But I'm saying for the first time, because of today, I'm kind of becoming a believer. Because I feel like just the fact that the Packers put enough faith in him to put him out there with the ones and the fact that he lit it up the way that he did, we've never seen anything like that from Jace, right? He had the one big touchdown, and I just feel like the Packers have never really had any faith in him, and this is the first time where it feels like the Packers are like, you know what, let's, uh, it seems like he's getting it, put him out there. Because obviously they at one point really liked the guy and were like, this guy could be the guy, and they slowly have been losing faith. It's a, at the very least, it's something to keep an eye on. If it never happens again, then we'll just forget we ever mentioned if it continues in camp that he's just lighting people up and beating people easily one-on-one, like was said today, he's just lighting everybody up. We need to keep an eye on that because, I mean, we know LaFleur loves his tight ends. And the more the merrier. And if we get another receiving type tight end, oh boy. Oh boy. If he if if, if LaFleur had the ability to put eight tight ends on the field, I think he'd do it. He can't, but I think he would if he could. Offensive line notes, a uh, really good one-on-one battle between Elton Jenkins and Rashawn Gary. Jenkins handled Gary's speed rush on the first rep, but Gary came back with a bowl to win the second. Two athletic studs. I love these notes more than anything because it's like Jair and Devontae. I think I talked about this yesterday. You love it because you know they're both good. And when you hear that they're battling, you know that they're both kind of in sync, right? It would be one thing if it's like you get really good reports about Elton Jenkins and you get really good reports about Rashawn Gary, but then they go head to head and Elton Jenkins just throws Gary around. If that was the case, and it's like, you know, it's camp, maybe Gary's been a little bit overhyped because now he's going up against the big boys and he can't handle it. If the assumption is they're both real good, when they lock horns, it's going to be kind of you win one, I win one. So you got two guys that have been killing everybody going head to head and they split, and that gets me excited. That's exactly, if you could ask me, what would you want this result to be? If they're going to go head to head twice, I want them to split evenly, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, the starting offensive line, Jenkins, Runyon, Myers, Braden, and Turner. So they're continuing to shuffle that around. Offensive line is doing work right now. Back-to-back um, nice runs by Dex, Taylor, and now Dylan. So they're punching open giant holes. Can take that as good news for the offensive line or terrible news for the defensive line. Typically, because things don't really matter as much as we make it out to be, I like to look at things as being positive. And I don't see any reason not to. We've invested a ton in this offensive line. We've got guys going into the third year of this system. And we've also invested a bunch in running backs, as well as tight ends learning to block and all that stuff. They should be a very good running football team. Uh, Patrick at right guard with the ones now, as Matt LaFleur said, going to be a competition there. Newman at right guard with the twos. So he's still working his way as a backup guard, which is great to see. You know, he's still a young guy and a lot of optimism about him. So a lot of guys, a lot of bodies. And I think there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of talent, I think. here. Some of these guys aren't going to pan out. That's obvious. But um, I think there's more than enough bodies here, and some of these guys are really going to pan. And I, I'm just excited. I, and, and again, I've mentioned this before, too. I missed when we – it's not just about having good players. I like when we have depth. When somebody goes down, somebody comes in, you barely even miss them. I think we might have that. we got to see. But we might be kind of close to that. Moving on to general defensive notes. Uh, defense doing well at limiting downfield plays. Quarterbacks are looking, but they're not there. That's a great sign because if you remember what Coach Hahn said – He's a little bit worried about this this defense as much as he likes it, possibly giving up some big plays a little bit too often. They're doing a real good job today. 
uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I, I have a clip ready, but I'm going to save that, I guess, for tomorrow because we are taking up a lot of time. Basically talking about how he's, he's even been thrown off by this defense a little bit, and that doesn't happen often because he kind of starts to learn it, and he's like, this is a joke. I'm going to pick this apart. But he mentioned how he's he kind of sees something, and then something flashes out of the corner of his eye, and it forces him to put the ball away. Right? He's about to unload, and he's like, wait a minute, what are they doing? So that's a good thing. I mean, when, you, when you're making Rodgers think, which granted most defenses should on some level, but um, the fact that he said that's never really happened before and now he's he's kind of questioning things and doubting things and he's really unsure what the defense is doing, that's fantastic news. Just obviously comes down to, to execution at that point. Joe Barry working specifically with the DBs to start off. Obviously, that's going to be a big part of emphasis. Um, DBs, even today, it seems like the wide receivers won the day. So we're going to be spending a little bit extra time with them, which also could be, you got to remember, we got Jerry Gray and we got a bunch of guys that are here, but we have a new defensive coordinator. He's the one ultimately that says, this is how our defense runs. So if the cornerbacks are specifically struggling with their assignments, he's going to spend a little bit of extra time with them to make sure they're getting up to speed, which, and granted, I'm going to put a positive spin on a lot of things because again, there's no reason to be super negative at this stage of the game. But the positive spin on that is that it shows that there's a lot of upward potential here. Because it's not about a lack of understand, or, or it's not about a lack of talent. It's about a lack of understanding, and so we haven't seen the top end potential of what these guys can do. And there's no better challenge in the world than Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams, just lighting everybody up. Notes on defensive tackles: Lancaster, Clark, Lowry are the first team interior defensive line, so that really hasn't changed very much. Kenny Clark said en- uh, said enough with the big runs and stuffs Jones at the line of scrimmage. Lowry deflects a pass at the line of scrimmage. That's been happening a lot. I really wish they would have said whether that was Jordan Love throwing it because I made a comment about that yesterday. That's been happening to him way too often. Um, Dean Lowry explodes into the backfield for about a three-yard loss on Aaron Jones, and Clark busts through for a pressure on Rodgers. Maybe a sack, but Rodgers throws complete to MVS on a comeback route. Stokes had tight coverage, but just better play by MVS. So, not a ton of huge highlights for the defensive line. I would guess the offensive line is seems to be winning more often than not. But you do see a lot of the big flash splash plays, which if nothing else, maybe it means that you're going to have a more aggressive, penetrating style of defense, right? Which I'll, at this point, I'll take it because we're always getting beat up by the run anyways, right? We're, we're always getting carved up, at least win sometime. You know, if you got to give up a 10-yard run and then follow that up with a big sack, all right, I'll take it. It's better than a 10-yard run and nothing. A couple edge notes here, uh, that Gary Bull rush, and then like, you know, greater than, greater than, greater than, right through the right tackle. It's hard to translate these when you're right reading them out loud. He says, it couldn't tell it who it was. It was not Billy Turner. Whoever the right tackle was got annihilated by Rashawn Gary, which has been literally every day in training camp so far. Uh, next note says, Gary now busts through for a would-be sack on Rodgers. Preston pressures from the blind side forces Rodgers to dirt the ball. So three highlights, two of them Rashawn Gary. And again, this has been every single day. A couple linebacker notes. No Kamal Martin today, as Matt LaFleur suggested Wednesday, but Ray Wilborn is back after starting camp on the COVID list. First team linebackers right now are Campbell and Barnes. That is staying the same. Second team, Summers and Burks, which I guess you could probably deduce. Big pile of cornerback notes here. Nice pass breakup by Jackson on Lazar. Jackson actually had a pretty good day if I had to pick a corner that kind of stood out. Uh, Josh Jackson wins his first one-on-one with Devante, one to tell the grandkids about. So, Again, he breaks up one against Lazard, then he breaks up one against Devante. Stokes holding Funches would have been called. Stokes has no confidence in coverage right now. Winfrey with an easy win against Stokes. Don't worry, it gets better. Nice coverage by Stokes on Adams deep. Eric Stokes has taken his lumps against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in camp, but he just won that rep there. The rookie covered up a good route nicely down the left sideline, nowhere for Rodgers to place the football. 
cornerback Jair Alexander getting snaps from the slot. First, I can recall that happening this camp, unless I missed it. Jackson and Stokes on the outside. Um, I don't think there's too much to read into this. I do think it's interesting that they're going to play with it, and I think they should. As I've said, Jair came into the NFL, and the question was, is he just a slot guy? And I even said, you know, if he's good enough, we might even put him outside, and he'll be sort of an outside-inside guy. He's been strictly outside because he's just so good, they never want to take him off that spot. But I think if you go up against a team where the slot is the best guy, I don't see any reason why Jair wouldn't follow him. Or, or just follow him into the slot if that's where he goes, right? If you're just going to play man-to-man and, and you got a, a guy that's outside-inside that's a wide receiver, I don't see a problem with at least training him up. Or if you have a new defensive coordinator, let's just see what he can do. I'm just curious, right? What's it going to hurt? Uh, in one-on-one drills, cornerback Josh Jackson had two excellent turns against Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, stoned both of them on throws from Rodgers. This came quite a bit later, so it's not the same notes as earlier. Stokes ending today's practice strong. Great coverage on Sternberger on a deep corner. Great play by Ento to break up a fade intended for Funches. So this is kind of what, oh man, they just stripped, oh, they got it again. And he ran the wrong way, but still a fumble recovery. Oh no, Dallas got it, never mind. Um, this is kind of what I'm talking about as far as turning a corner. Um, not that this means he turned the corner, he's going to be an elite player, but it's assumed that Stokes is not going to be great, right? You'd like to see a little bit better than what we've been seeing, but you assume that this is going to be a very difficult challenge, especially when the MVP of the league has decided to make it his mission to embarrass you. This is kind of what happens. But what I said is what we need for him to do is turn that corner to where he's starting to understand it. First, you build the confidence. He ended the day with confidence, and that's a good thing. This kicker is pathetic. He knuckleballed that first field goal, and he just missed a 29-yard attempt. What in the world? Maybe it was a bad hold. I don't know, but that was just two really ugly kicks in a row. Preseason. But but just like I said with Sternberger, let's just see what happens. Let's see if this is consistent. At this point, we just have to wait until family night, but you start seeing this more consistently from Sternberger and Stokes, it is what it is. If it disappears and you don't hear it anymore and they just keep getting picked on or whatever, then that is what that is. Safety notes, driving pass breakup by Scott on Nauta, Innis gains interception, Vernon Scott breaks up a love pass intended for Funches on a corner. Going to be interesting to see where Will Redmond fits on the depth chart when he returns from the NFI, Vernon Scott and Henry Black getting lots of reps at safety. Little tidbit for you, 53 years. Um, Then two kicking notes and then we're out of here. The crowd is going crazy for backup kicker J.J. Molson hitting a tackling donut. It is funny they're making them do those drills, which I guess I get. And obviously, J.K. Scott comes to mind. I know that upset a lot of you guys, but whatever. Crosby hits his first seven field goals. I think he was wide left from 58 on the last one. So anyways, that is it. We do have a couple other things that we could talk about, but we're not going to. I Yes, I thank all of you for uh, getting your questions in. I still have those ready to go, but we've got so much to talk about. It just hasn't been necessary. Tomorrow is a prime day because we've got uh, no notes Although we probably should talk about things we would like to see from, I don't know what we're even going to be. It's basically just a practice, but whatever. Anyways, you know what's, what's going on here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.